Hey, welcome to Fans of the Forge. I'm Chris. To my left, we have... You got Sean. To my right, we have... Teresa. And calling in via Skype, we have Zeke Manacho, a.k.a. Hooligan Zeke. How are you, man? What's up, guys? <laughs> if you don't know who he is, although you should, <laughs> he is the second place contestant in Knife or Death Season 2 in the Grand Championship. You went up against Keith for the, the title. I, I prefer to call him Keith the Badass Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Keith the Badass Hill. Man, I love Keith. Yeah, he seems like a cool guy yeah. for sure. So we're looking forward to chat with him as well. But first, guy thing, is an American ninja. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll hop right into questions here. And the first thing I'm going to ask before we get into the knife or death questions um, is, what is the Dark Timber Brotherhood? So the Dark Timber Brotherhood was something that we came up with because. Uh, uh, my friend Peter Kohler started Dark Timber Custom Knives, uh, and while he was doing that, he was working as a uh, respiratory therapist up in Colorado at a hospital. Uh, he made his first knife uh, while he was out there, you know, just he, he couldn't afford like a really good custom knife. So basically, he just started making knives. Uh, and from that, I bought a knife off him, loved it. Uh, we became fast friends. Uh, and from that, we started a knife group, but we didn't want it to be like any other knife group. Like you get on the, some of those knife groups and you see a lot of, um, negativity and a lot of, um, backbiting and a lot of like, uh, just kind of negative stuff, man. And we were, you know, we're both, I'm in my forties. He just turned 40. We were both kind of over that. So we just came up with this idea that we're going to bring, we're going to bring brotherhood back. We're going to, you know, figure out how to do that online. Love the knife community. Um, and started the Dark Timber Brotherhood. And basically, it started off as a group of guys that liked each other outside of Facebook and outside of social media, um, hung out together anyways, um, constantly chatted each other up, was, uh, you know, um, basically just like brothers, man. So we went with, uh, we went with the name Brotherhood, uh, and it's blossomed. In the, in the three years that it's been up, uh, we've gone to 15,000 people. We just, uh, I just put number 15,000, I think, 200 in today. Um, so it's a, it's a popular idea. It's a, it's a, you know, kind of a, it's just something, you know, something different. We like, we get outside, we go outdoors. We all love to hunt. We all love to fish. We all love the track. We all love that kind of stuff. And we all kind of track each other that way. So that's pretty much what the dark timber brotherhood is. All right, cool. And I asked that because I had come across it going through your Instagram and I saw that Peter was uh, from Dark Timber Custom Knives, and I know that leads into you being on Knife or Death using right. the Hooligan Cleaver. Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, so I had given, I had tried, I, I'd actually been doing knives for longer than Pete, man. Um, I've been in love with knives since I was a kid. I used to sleep with a Randall Bowie under my uh, pillow. Um, <laughs> That, that was my teddy bear, man. It was uh, so uh, being being around knives and being around that kind of stuff was a uh, kind of a long term thing. And uh, and I've had other designs and stuff that I tried to get uh, made with other knife companies, and uh, I I got that door put in my face quite a bit, and uh, just gave up knives completely for like ten years. Um, and then once uh, once I got my custom from Pete and uh, and that knife company, you know, started to blossom and he started to grow as an artist and all that stuff. One day he hit me up 
um, and said, hey, man, uh, why don't we do a cleaver? It's going to be something, you know, that should be completely different than anything else we got. And I said, I got one for you, man. And uh, the hooligan cleaver was born and we went back and forth with it. So it's uh, it's a collaboration. You know, he makes it. Um, it it uh, runs on the same uh, handle that we use for the mid tech lines. Um, but nonetheless, the hooligan is my baby. Awesome. That is cool. I we love the design. Yeah. Like we anytime we've seen you using it, we're like, damn, we need to get one of those. Well, see, here's the here's the funny thing with the hooligan. It actually and I yeah, of course I brought him, but it started <laughs> out as a seven inch cleaver. Okay, okay. Right. And then uh we said, Okay, that's good for a couple of things. It's like the you know, kind of apocalypse, end of the world, fun stuff kind of knife. And then we made one that was a nine inch blade, and then that was the camp version. Um, which is the one we do as a mid tech right now. And I just got uh, about six stitches in my finger because uh, I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing with it. So Ooh. it will cut. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but then the knife for death bad boy is this um, 14 and a half inch blade, um, CPM 3V, full three inch width on it. Um, we basically took that design and uh, modified it. We basically took that design and modified it. And um, took all the best of what a cutting competition knife would be that kind of failed in the first season, those little 10-inchers. Uh, love blade sports, have a lot of friends that do blade sports, have the utmost respect for them, but that's not a blade sports course. Um, and decided 14 and a half inches would be good for it with a 9-inch handle. Um, just kind of like the old uh, wakazishis, uh, excuse me, uh, katanas uh, with the two-handed grip so you could get a little bit more control over it. Oh, okay. Right. Cool. That actually kind of answers our first question here. And <laughs> we were going to ask you about how you thought about designing the blade, but you kind of nailed it. So, oh, no, the actually the design of it, um, the design of it, uh, like I said, I'm a knife nerd, man, and a steel nerd and all the rest of that stuff. So the actual design of it came from the Chinese war cleaver, the Dadao. Um, oh, right. That was used for um, Chinese. Uh, it was actually the Chinese cavalry that was going up against the mounted um, warriors. Uh, and the, the Dadao had a heavy enough blade that it would be able to take out legs um, and heads from the mounted cavalry. Um, so it was kind of like an equalizer. And I thought, well, hell, if the Chinese did that all those years ago, why can't we do something like that? And, and it still has a, that's the, one of the things that I really liked about their design was it was a cleaver that had a point to it. Mm -hmm. Just in case, I didn't know, you know, that you don't get a heads up on, on what those courses are going to be like. And I didn't know if there was going to be some stuff that you had to stab through. So hmm. we kind of went with that one and it was a different, uh, it was a different, just an excellent design. Cool. Yeah. I know Goldberg yeah. and uh, Tulam had some nice things and Travis had some nice things to say about it too. So it was impressive. I've never heard so many uh, different pronunciations of a single word in my life. A hooligan cleaver was that. <laughs> it was the one that killed me, yeah. So going through your, uh, I guess your first run, when you first came on the show, um, okay. can you, I don't know, on Decapitator, you kind of had a problem there and you missed all three targets um oh absolutely yeah yeah um and i did too um and i'll tell you exactly why when um i went up to it and it it 
I got thrown off because it's, uh, it, you know, it's nothing but fruits and vegetables. I can't remember exactly what it was on that one. It was like I believe easy it was stuff. Squash, squash, pineapple, pineapple and, and pineapple and onions. And onions. There you go. Nobody, nobody's going to hit those onions to begin with. <laughs> right. Uh, that's that's going to be a given. I don't care how, you know, maybe the Blade Sports guys will. You know, maybe uh, uh, Big Dwayne Unger would come in there and, and just uh, demolish that stuff. But uh, for me, I, I just thought, okay, I'm going to do my best. And then it threw me off really bad. Uh, the boxes took more out of me than I thought they would because you have to chase them. Right, right. So and and they do a good job of editing it down for time, um, you know, while you're while you're looking at it. But in real life, you're chasing those boxes down and, and it's almost like you're you're in a moving batting cage and you're trying to go after that stuff. So by the time I got the decapitator, I was already pretty good and winded. Um, but I used to box when I was a kid. So my cardio always goes in three minute intervals like you. You're, you're ready to go, you get a lot of wind, you get a lot of power, and then you're ready to sit down for just a couple of seconds, and you just need that time to reset. Decapitator came on so fast that I didn't have that time to reset, then it threw me off when I went through the pineapple. The pineapple was uh, held on uh, by some kind of metal bracket also. And when I came through it, um, I brought this thing through, and it put a nick in the edge. Um, and it almost took the tip of this clean off. Oh, wow. Uh, and when I saw that, I thought, oh, shit. Sorry, I don't know. Uh, you it, can say it, whatever you want. <laughs> man. Okay, cool. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I thought that, and I was like, uh, you know, dang, man, that's going to, that's that that might mess me up later on down the line. And it kind of played with my head a little bit, so I never got that chance to, like, uh, reset, you know, find your target, breathe, find your feet make your cut is is the kind of uh ethos that i had throughout that whole thing gotcha that makes sense. okay okay um so what was the ratio of luck versus strategy that got you through um kill shot at the very end uh kill shot on the very end um i don't think luck played a whole lot to do with it um i i think that um i had i had a really excellent knife that had a really excellent heat treat that had a geometry that was way too steep uh, for a lot of the things in that course, meaning that my knife was probably over sharp okay. for that stuff. There was a lot of things that I probably could have got hung up on and broke that blade if, if it didn't come out of like the two by fours right, for instance. Um, so I, I honestly, and I don't mean to sound arrogant or conceited in any way, but I don't think that luck played a lot uh, into that one, into kill shot at all. Um, I think that... Uh, just keep that blade level. I, I remember I missed that first toe strap on it. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, you, that pissed me. Oh, you had to get creative <laughs> yeah. with the last swing there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and it was just, it was one of those things where it was um, uh, just thinking about it. You know, it, it it got me mad. I was like, man, I should have took out four of those in one hit. And I, I missed that first one. Now I got to go back and waste the swing. Um, so yeah, I don't think, I don't think it was a lot of luck. If anything, it was bad luck missing that first one. Right. Gotcha. So we move on to dead run for that episode and for ball buster, you missed six of those rolling balls. So we have our own ideas of just how difficult an obstacle is by seeing it on TV. Because we have right. zero experience. Because, yeah, we have never done <laughs> and it. And it, right. it looks somewhat simple because it's in slow-mo a lot of times. 
like, absolutely. Especially yeah. with free fall, it's like, oh, how hard is that? But then when they actually show it in like real time, you're like, oh my god, like that's yeah. how <laughs> that's almost impossible, <laughs> right? I'll, you know what? Uh, remind me about free fall because I'll definitely uh, there. There's a reason that that looks so. Uh, there's a reason that that looks so easy, but isn't. And then uh, Ballbuster is one of those ones that, yeah, it's super, it's super easy. And if that was just like a game at a carnival or something, and you know, you had something that was attached to something else, or yeah, Ballbuster as a carnival trick um, would be a lot of fun. It would be something that you just go up there like ring toss or something like that. And if you know how to do it, uh, boom, you just walk right through it. But um, doing it, it's a complete change of gears. Because now all of a sudden you're um, you're going back into a mode like just like a batting cage, something like that, um, where you're thinking about something coming at you, and it has nothing to do with how much physical force you're going to put into it. Uh, it's about how fast you can make your hands move and how fast you can actually cut those things as they're coming down. And you don't know from plus your gas. That first one that you do on the uh, when you're on that rotating table, right. Um, and you're trying to cut through a bunch of hard things and it's a power cut kind of deal. Um, you're, it, it's just a change of gears. And I know they do that for a reason. So it ends up being a little bit tougher than, uh, than you think. Like in, you know, if, if, uh, if we did that as a trick and we tied a couple of tennis balls on, on lines and we were just hitting them with like, say a uh, broomstick or something, you'd be able to do it. No problem. Mm-hmm. But if you were asked to do that at like three o'clock in the morning after uh, somebody just knocked on your door and then all of a sudden you're going outside to go do that and you have all this adrenaline dump that you're just uh, you're dealing with, then it becomes a little bit different. <laughs> no kidding. All right. You said about blade sports. Have you competed in any blade sports or have you had any interest in competing in blade sports? I have every interest in the world. I would love to compete in blade sports. Um, hell, I'd like to be the Dana White of blade sports, go in and buy the damn thing and uh, and uh, and just revamp it, update it, and uh, and do something fun with it. Um, but unfortunately, on the West Coast, I'm in Long Beach, California. There's not a lot of uh, cutting stuff over here. As a matter of fact, um, on one of my uh, demo reels, uh, we were cutting stuff, and it. Uh, when we go in the back to fool around with pallets and, and just all the stuff that normal people would do like in their backyard just to uh, mess around with, we would go in the back alley and do it. Well, a couple of times, one time we woke up the homeless guy that was laying on the couch uh, <laughs> in the back alley because we live in an apartment. Um, so it was a challenge just to even get practice in for that thing. And yes, I would love to do blade sports. Um, like I said, I have some friends that were in that or that are in that, um, that are champions in that, that do really great at it. And I think that that's one of those things that if, if enough people had eyeballs on it, could really blossom into something big, just like I think Knife or Death could, um, you know, if they just kind of added a little bit more to the backstory of it and told a little bit more. Because uh, people are interested in the stories that are, that are told about, you know, the different contestants and what goes into it and stuff. Yeah, yeah, we, we agree with that yeah. for sure. We've had the same thoughts. Because uh, we got to go to a, one blade sports competition down in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, and got to see those oh, guys yeah. live. So right. it was uh, that was a heck of an experience to watch. It's pretty go pretty awesome. Yeah, I love. Listen, I've been doing um, blade show. This will be our uh, fifth year going into it. Uh, so it was four years, and every time the only time uh, that I take off, it's uh, it's it's uh, four straight days. Of just basically standing on your feet for twelve hours and uh, and you know meet and greet and uh, talking about knives and selling knives and all that stuff and the only time that I go away from the table and everybody knows it 
is between 2.30 and 4 o'clock when they're doing the blade sports because uh, I need to see it. I just need to cheer those guys on and, and get out there. It's like uh, it, there's no other way to describe it for me that it reminds me of MMA in its heyday. Like I love the UFC and King of the Cage and all that stuff early on or early adapter to it. Loved it in the early 90s when I was coming out of high school, wanted to fight, um, all that stuff. And um, uh, it was unsung. People just didn't know about it. And I think Blade Sports is a lot like that, too. It's a, it's a fun thing to do. It's a fun thing to watch. And what's really cool about it is when people see it, it's not like football. It's not like baseball. There's no high money gear that you have to spend. You can run what you brung as long as it's within the parameters of the competition. Um, and it gives people a chance to do two things. They could forge out their own blade or they can make the connection to um, get a knife, or they could just flat out, you know, buy one, 180 bucks or whatever it is, um, and then get into it and do something different. That, that I think, is a great thing because it, it brings the knife community into a whole other realm. It, 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 it enriches the experience for people. Yeah, it is. It's pretty awesome, and it's not like... It, I started to think about you know, if you've seen the uh, like the timber sports on TV sometimes, where it's guys with the yeah. chainsaws and axes and stuff. But love it, yeah. It's it's cool, but with the blade sports, it's a little bit, it's a little bit different because almost anyone can grab a knife and and jump into that, you know. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, you know, I could go do it right now. You guys could go do it right now. All you need is all you need is the knife, and it doesn't even have to be yours. You can borrow somebody's. You know, and get in there, run the course, try it out, see what it's like. For me, it reminds me of like bowling in a way because everybody can see it. Everybody goes, they look at it and they go, I can do that. But you're not going to bowl a 300 just coming from behind whatever you're going to do. Just like you're not going to run a perfect course coming from behind whatever you're doing uh, in your day job. And that timber sports, man, that thing is a lot of fun. But yeah, who has a, you know, a 30 foot log roll in their backyard that they can go play? <laughs> yeah. How did you train for the show? Um, well, I over, I overdo everything, first of all. Um, so it may not look like it in the, in the, uh, the, you know, when you're actually watching, when you're watching me go through the course and all that stuff, but I'm doing about 60 minutes of cardio, uh, five to six times a day. I'm training like, um, I would just like if I was trying to fight at 44, 43 years old. Um, I'm doing a lot of work with medicine ball. I'm doing a lot of work with, uh, upper body shoulder strength. I'm doing a lot of work with um, uh, mace training and uh, and kettlebells and um, just things that are kind of off kilter um, so I could avoid any kind of injuries when I'm trying to put it out there uh, on the field. And that's, uh, you know, and I and I come I, I come at it with like that jock mentality where you got to get ready for whatever it is because you don't know how physically grueling it's going to be. And I didn't want to be one of those guys uh, that was just going to melt out there. When you get on it, uh, you think about different things too. There was no way to train for the, that just simple stuff, the high humidity of Georgia and the like 90 degree heat out there. When you're a California boy and you're used to 72 and sunny and crisp, uh, <laughs> out here by the ocean that, you know, that, that in its own right is something, you know, something else, man. So yeah, training for me was a lot of that. And I felt good about the knife skills. I've been in a kitchen my whole life. Um, so I wasn't really too worried about any of that stuff. And I've always been super duper hyper destructive, uh, when it comes to blowing stuff up with knives. So I knew, I knew that that would be there. I knew the power and stuff would be there. I was just, uh, had to work on the wind, had to work on the cardio a little bit. So 
in your first episode when you you first meet the other contestants and you all walk out together for the intros and everything was there anyone in particular in that group that you saw and you were like nervous like oh these guys might give this one might give me a real run for my money here um, the, the thing you have to think about, uh, well, the way that I look at that is I had to size them up, uh, just like I would, uh, going into anything, you know, if you're on the football field, you're looking at a guy, you know, if you're running back, you're looking at a guy that might be a linebacker. So the one guy that really stood out to me was Mark Campana from that first episode from Blade Runners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mark is awesome. Me and him just click right off the bat. We're both a couple of meatheads, both a couple of, uh, you know, just knife nerd type guys. And I thought, okay, uh, he's going to be somebody that I'm really going to have trouble with because he's a personal trainer. He's as big as Goldberg in real life. No joke about it. He's fit and was ready to rock and roll on that thing. Why he wore a headband, I'll never know. Um, but, uh, you know, everything other than that, Matt, it's all, that thing was, yeah, that question was, that was all Mark on that one. Okay. All right. And so I'll follow that up. You move on to the finale and you're with all these other winners. Right. So same question when you're grouped up with all these other winners, who else were you looking at? Was was uh, Keith the badass like immediately the person that like kind of stood out? Or I mean that that's a whole group of badasses there, right? Um, I think uh, no. You know what Keith had? Um, Keith has the same thing that Tulam has, and 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 what that is is a quiet confidence that you know is a deep, 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 deep well. You know they talk about uh, still waters run real deep. And with Keith, um, he just had a look in his eye that a hunter gets um, or that somebody that's confident, that's up at the plate, playing baseball, knows that somebody's going to throw a hanging curve and he's going to take it out uh, over the right field wall. And that was the thing with Keith. Um, As humble and as nice and as good of a human being as I've ever met, um, but he definitely had that confidence. Uh, and when it comes to everybody in that in that finals cast, you know, Joel is a very accomplished martial artist and he um, kind of exuded that. You could tell by his body control, just the way he walked and held himself and all that stuff. Um, so you knew that he had something to offer. Eric Hardiman is like six foot six. And just as soon as you see him, you're like, all right, <laughs> right. There, you, there you go. You got a Viking warrior in your group. So, you know, he's going to do whatever he does. And then Big Tom just looks like a straight-up power lifter, man. I oh, mean, yeah. he was, you know, I'm not a small dude, and he probably had 30 pounds on me. So <laughs> that group right there was uh, was something else. That, that, that was a good group. Can you hear Goldberg yelling at the top of his lungs when, you, when you're doing your run? Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> when you're, when you're, oh, my God. When you're, uh, when you're out there and you're doing it, you can hear uh, Goldberg, uh, saying all his stuff, and you can absolutely hear Stu Lamb with every bit of commentary that they have. For me, it's encouragement because uh, Goldberg out there, when you're on the when you're out there on the field, he's almost like a drill instructor with the with the kind of things that he's saying. And it's like you understand in your heart that what he's seeing is what you're putting out there. So if you listen to what he's saying, you can almost make changes on the fly because of it. But yeah, you definitely hear those guys. Okay. Which obstacle um, out of all your runs would you consider to be the most difficult? 
Uh, it would have been that fruit on the first run. I mean, as silly as that sounds, because there's so many things that were more difficult, like the fish was a more difficult cut, the rope uh, killed a whole bunch of people, the boxes were physically demanding, I messed up my hand on that real good. Um, but that fruit, when I got to it, I was just like, Jesus, really? Like, one cut on this messed up is going to throw me out of the run? And in real life, on knife fight in the finals, um, I was looking at that celery, and I didn't think, uh, I, 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 in my mind, I was like, okay, just cut everything because, you know, you're going you're gonna to need it when you get down there. And, it, and it, it got into my head, as stupid as that sounds. And I know it's goofy, too. That's the, that's the funny part about it because it's just an inanimate piece of fruit that you could cut. Like, <laughs> I cut it in the kitchen all the time. <laughs> yeah. Of course, I take my vengeance out on it now. But yeah. yeah. Um, what was your favorite obstacle? Uh, favorite obstacle was definitely, um, those ice, the ice, absolutely the ice, because once, uh, if you look on, on that first, uh, on that first knife fight run, I, I hit it once and then I thought, man, I could just juice up and, and nail this thing. And, uh, and then every one of them was just one, one hit after that. And I love it because it's when you hit it, it there's so much motion and there's so much, uh, involved with it. Uh, when you see that block spin off and everything's just kind of blown out there and it's just like, yeah, that's that's destruction. That's that's carnage. That's what I <laughs> that's pretty good. I'm good with that. So uh, let's follow up on the um, free fall with cutting those melons. You wanted to tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So the melons on free fall. So um, those three. So those three in the finals, uh, when you go to dead run, those are those are probably the hardest three. Ball buster, you have to you know, you have to really be focused on. It's a hand eye coordination kind of deal. The one with the swing and me flying target is tough in its own right because it, it plays with you kind of in your in your head a little bit like this is so easy. And then the first time you miss one, you're thinking, oh, man, what the hell? Uh, and then free fall. Here's the trick with free fall. Free fall starts regardless of whether or not you're on the line. And if you watch my first run, that didn't click in this, in this you know, cinder block of a head. <laughs> it just didn't click. And like, I went up there and they were already starting to fall and I was like, Jesus, this is, this is happening like way too fast. Like I need to go up there, set up, oh wait, it's already done. Okay, I'm gonna hit this one, oh, it's already done. And that first one was like, it moves so fast. If you're if you're even a second off that there's no way to catch up to it. There's no way to, you know, to, to make up that ground. And if you notice in the in the finale, I was ready for it that time. And I blame that 100 percent on Teresa, your question about training. I started throwing a 40 pound medicine ball and it, I, when I would do it, I'd keep the lights at the gym real low so I could barely see it to simulate what was going on in uh, free fall. And the other thing is your lenses have all that, you know, all that junk and stuff yep. from the rest of the runs. So maybe you think you're seeing something and it might just be a glare in your glasses or something. Yeah, you got you got to be ready for that. But the the 40 pound medicine ball helped me with that, because if I missed it, it smashed my face, which <laughs> <laughs> not that it could do any damage to all this beauty. but. <laughs> So, yeah, that was great. Thank you for chatting with us. Um, what's the best place for people to uh, follow you online? Uh, they could definitely follow me at Hooligan Zeke on Instagram is the best way to uh, interact with me uh, and the best way to just ask questions. And um, it's a it's a different kind of deal. It's always like some outdoors, goofy stuff, knife stuff. Uh, just me uh, online. Um, they could always come to the Dark Timber Brotherhood uh, on Facebook, the Facebook group. That's a great way to um 
to interact also. It's also a uh, just a great group period. I'd be in it if I didn't run it. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I think those are the those are the two easiest ways. And then um, as far as the hooligans go, um, that's where you'd find out about the drops and all that stuff would be uh, would be on the Dark Timber Brotherhood. Awesome. So get cool. the tech runs and all that kind of stuff. Very cool. Well, thanks again for joining us. We uh, we had a great time chatting with you. Uh, everybody, make sure to go follow him and you know rewatch his episodes of Knife or Death to to see the badass going through the course yeah. himself because that was an awesome. You did great. You did great job yeah. both times, and we are we're big fans after seeing you in that first episode, and we were rooting for you in the finale. So, oh, man, um, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Hey, um, just real quick, uh, I need to give a big shout out to uh, to you know Dark Timber Knives uh, to Peter Kohler. Um, it, without him, I, I wouldn't have a knife in my hand. I wouldn't have been able to do knife or death. Um, that and then uh, and finally, my wife Yvette, uh, just thank you. I didn't I didn't get to thank her on the show, but if she didn't put up with my uh, nuttiness and my always wanting to go to the gym and always wanting to play with knives and all that stuff, then I wouldn't have got that shot either. So I want to uh, definitely thank my wife Yvette Minacho. She's awesome, and thank you guys. Listen, I'm I've been nerding out on your guys. Uh, we need to get we need to get a whole bunch more subscribers for you guys because <laughs> I've been nerding out on your YouTube channel ever since uh, ever since Chris uh, you put me onto it with that thing. So, so thank you guys and thank you guys for what you do. Oh, well, much appreciated. Yeah, much appreciated. Thank you very much. So um, yeah, that's it. Thanks for watching, everybody, and we'll catch you in the next one. Bye. <laughs>